This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The Pope and Young Club wants to welcome you as we rally together to ensure our bow hunting opportunities for today and tomorrow. You've come to the podcast that believes in preserving, protecting, and promoting the passion for bow hunting. Join us as we strive to be the voice of today's bow hunter. This is the Pope and Young Podcast. Hello, welcome to the Pope and Young Podcast. I'm Jason Roundsville. I've got Dylan Ray with us today, and we've got our special guest, TJ Taviji. TJ, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me today. Yeah, we we appreciate you taking some time and uh, just uh, want to let everybody know that that Bear Track has been a, a longtime supporter of the club. We appreciate it, and uh, it's through the support of our corporate partners and our outfitter partners that allows us to do the programs that that we do to you know protect and promote bow hunting all across the country and the world. So, thank you so much for for your support on that. You bet. I've enjoyed the last couple of years getting involved. Yes. Well, it sounds like you're a new owner at Bear Track, but we have a long history with with you guys. So give us a little little background between yeah. for you and then also for that relationship. Yeah, uh Bear Track was started uh, by a guy named Pete Doobie. Um he handed it off to me in 2016, but he's had a long-standing um relationship with Pope and Young uh, for many, many years, you know, we've uh, had guys like MR James come and, and hunt with us in the past. And, and I just wanted to continue that. Um, and when I took over ownership, I made sure I made a connection with you guys. No, we sure appreciate it. And it's, uh, man, talk about, talk about, uh, Starting with the the cream of the crop, drop dropping Mr. James on a bow hunting <laughs> thing. Yeah. That's like kind of like, oh, you, you play basketball? Oh yeah, you know, I, I just play a little. You know, me and Mike Mike Jordan. Yeah, we just play a yeah. little hoops. 
So that's great. Well, no, we sure appreciate it. And we've had a really good um, run here lately. You've helped us out and, and brought some trips to us. We had a raffle this summer that we combined with the Mountain Archery Festival raffle, which which sold out real quick for us, um, what we called our daydream raffle. Mm-hmm. And then you were part of our, our vivid dream. And um, so we sure appreciate the support. Um, one of the things that, that I'm really curious about, uh, you know, I, I've actually got my first antelope this year, and it, it was a really exciting hunt. And and for me, it was really different than what I'm used to. So I would love to hear from you in your words, kind of how how your program works and what people expect yeah. when they show up. You know, for those of us who who haven't done a bunch of antelope hunting, you know, hey, I'm I'm going on my first antelope hunt. How's this? How's it work with you guys? Yeah. I'd love to hear about that. Well, so um, I mean, I'll start. You know, guys, book a hunt with us. Um, application period. Um, is up till May 31st. So, so we got to get those licenses. Um, we hunt in limited draw areas. Um, we hunt four or five units, uh, around Buffalo, Wyoming. Uh, we try and, you know, spread out our hunters. We, as speaking about archery specifically, we usually have eight to 10, uh, water hole blinds that we hunt. Uh, so we want guys being comfortable. Um, we're not going to ask people to hunt or to shoot over 50 yards. Um, but we do have some traditional, uh, bow hunters that come and another name you may know, Andy Carpenter and his crew, uh, they come out and hunt with us traditional. So we, we get them within that 20 to 25 yard range. Um, we also offer uh, spot and stock antelope hunts, decoying. Um, so w- when clients call and uh, I visit with them, what kind of hunt they're looking for, we can offer them a, a couple varieties um, or a, a combination of both. You know, we can put guys in a blind and uh, in the mornings and, and then spot and stock in the afternoon, decoy. Um, and then that helps us schedule them too. You know, obviously August 15th is a, is the opening day for archery antelope. So if guys just want to hunt strictly waterhole, we have them come in August. If guys want to take a shot at them, you know, with uh, decoying or spot and stock, we have them come in September when the antelope rut is happening. So um, we offer four day hunts. Uh, everything's included meals, lodging. Uh, we stay right here in Buffalo, Wyoming. Uh, we have a, a bunkhouse right on our property, um, or just three miles from downtown Buffalo, Wyoming. Um, but once you get here, yeah, once you get here, we'll take care of you. Um, you know, we'll take care of everything once you, you get here. So now what's the nearest airport for you guys? Uh, the nearest airport is Gillette, Wyoming. Um, it, okay. it has a couple flights that come in, but we have a couple options there too. We have Casper, Wyoming, and then, um, the biggest airport near us is Billings, Montana, and it's about two okay. and a half hours. So, oh, so that's we do have some all. options. Yeah. Gillette's only 70. Um, yeah. So we, we do have that option and then guys can just drive right in to camp. Okay. 
I, that's that sounds like a lot of fun, um, and especially with all the different options. And a lot of people just don't know. Hey, what's involved with this? Are you are you yeah. one thing or the other? It sounds like you've got the whole gamut covered. Yeah, we we do. We you know with the uh, you know sometimes sitting in a blind's not for everybody. Um, you know, and other guys, that's what they're used to, you know, especially I noticed guys from the Midwest are real familiar with blind hunting and stuff. Um, but you know, that might not be some people's cup of tea. We have decoys and, and we'll do our best to get you in close. And, and, and that's a, a pretty exhilarating hunt actually, uh, when you can get a, a rutten buck to, to come in to archery range is, is pretty fun. I've heard about that. I, I talked to some people before I did my hunt this year and they said, Hey, if, if the rut's still going on and, and unfortunately mine was a little bit too late for that, but they said, boy, if the rut's going on, here's some, some things mm-hmm. you want to try. And so I did a little bit of research and that just sounds like a rush. So yeah. almost, almost kind of like bugling an elk where they just, Oh, the decoy exactly. goes up and here they come. So now what's your, what's your favorite? I like, I like the spot and stock or decoying, you know, if, if they're in the okay. right mood, it is. And, and what's nice, you know, a lot of people know Wyoming has a lot of antelope. Um, if you know, you're going to know right away, it's, it's not kind of, a, you know, where it's different from working a bull elk, you know, you're, you might spend two or three hours working on him, trying to call him out of the timber or, or whatever antelope bucks. It's pretty much instantaneous is, does he want to play or does he not? <laughs> and, okay. and yeah, they'll either grab their does and take off or they'll show no interest in you or their head will come up and th- they're coming now, you know, wow. there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of, uh, because uh, you can't call an antelope there's just uh it's it's either he's gonna take the bait and come check out what we are or he's gonna grab his does and take off so and with wow. that being okay. said we go find another bunch you know and let's you let's bet. go work on that buck you know where you haven't wasted you know a morning working on like a bull elk you, you we're, we have lots of opportunities let's say that there's a okay. lot of opportunities in our part of the world now when you're when you're doing the the decoy part what what's your target range so like cuz i've I, you know i i've heard people talk about it and they're like well you want to you want to get in to this range and then, you know, pop up with this decoy. So what's, what have you found to be the most effective for you and your hunters? You know, and we're covering acreages that are, uh, you know, we have acreages as small as five or 6,000 acres and we have acreages that are 40,000 acres. So a lot of our stuff is happening from, um, UTVs or four wheel drive pickups. We're glassing. And then a, a lot of it is, can we play the wind? You know, can we, do we have somewhere to hide ourselves until we're ready to, to flip the decoy? Um, you know, and, and a lot of times we hunt in a lot of oil and gas country. So there's a lot of roads to get us close and then we can, uh, you know, get in front of them, you know, during the day antelope are moving around, they may be moving up a draw and that's pretty much our strategy. Can we get in front of them? And where we can get close, you know, within a couple hundred yards, and then we can flip okay. the decoy to get him to come, you know, we, and, and we're, gotcha. we, 
we try and stick to that 50 yards, you know, and, and it's changing every year. Guys are getting more comfortable shooting farther, but on a live animal, we, we, we tell people we're going to work our butt off to get you within 50, you know, and sometimes gotcha. closer, but, and that's, that's all our yeah. archery hunts across the board. We, we like that 50 yards and in, you know? Okay, great. That's one question I have was, was, when you were talking about, um, you know, shooting over watering holes and out of blinds and stuff, you were talking uh, 20 to 50 yards, um, yep. depending on the hunt. A lot of people talk about antelope hunting and how they're so fast, so agile, so you're going to have to shoot far. Um, and, and I've never been on yeah. an antelope hunt, but I've, I've come to learn that that's kind of a common misconception. Because uh, yeah. if you hunt them right, you shouldn't have to. Um, no. Is water the best way to, because the only other person I've really talked a lot with about antelope hunting, uh, said water was really the only way to hunt them and get that close. Um, yeah. Am as I far right as, in saying that or? Well, early in the season before the rut, water holes are your best option by far. Um, you know, we were able to somewhat control the distance. Um, where we put the blinds, obviously we put the blinds out in advance, you know, we're talking a month in advance, so they're used to them. Um, and our properties have several different, uh, varieties of water holes. We have some, uh, creek bottoms. We have, uh, reservoirs that are out in the prairie. You know, all of our properties are ranching properties. So there's developed water. And then we actually have stock tanks, livestock stock tanks that we can actually turn on and off. Um, you know, it, it, antelope prefer a big reservoir where they're not boxed in, you know, um, but we're able to, you know, play the wind and set our blinds up to, to get to that 20 to 50, you know, um, there is a, you know, everybody knows that antelope are the fastest land animal in North America, and they think you're going to have to shoot fast or whatever. But th there's, they're still normal wild animals. If if they feel safe, a lot of our antelope walk into the reservoirs. Um, they'll they'll come in, they'll hang up at a hundred yards and check out the pond, um, and then they'll they'll just come walking in to get a drink, you know. And in, in late August, you know, we still have temperatures, uh, 80, 90 degrees. They're, they're going to drink sometimes three or four times a day when the temperatures are like that. So does that kind of answer that? Yeah. And you one of the things you mentioned earlier is, is being in oil country. And that takes me to a story. I know years ago, um, my dad made a trip actually to Wyoming with a couple of his buddies on an antelope punt and, you know, growing up, the first thing you do when you get an animal down is you, you get them taken care of and you, you yeah. hang them in a tree. And he says, the only thing tall enough to hang anything from <laughs> that you could see on the entire landscape was these oil, oil mm -hmm. derricks. And so they actually wound up hanging their antelope from, you know, various parts of these oil rigs. It was, yeah. I saw the pictures. It was kind of funny. Yeah. And that, and you know, that's, uh, the oil and gas industry has 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 helped wildlife for the most part. They've created a lot of water. You know, there's water coming out of the ground with these with these gas uh, wells and stuff. So, it, uh, you know, overall, I would say, you know, they kind of get a bad rap, but oil and gas has really helped 
the wildlife in our area just creating these water sources yeah and you know they've they do quite a bit of you know um roads and pipelines and all that kind of stuff but you know they've federal government state government they've held them to reclaiming these roads and and after it's developed there's very few people bothering them you know there's infrastructure running but as far as this part of wyoming we we may see a couple oil and gas workers a day that's it you know, gotcha. it, it, they're, they're not they're not interrupting anything the wildlife are doing once the infrastructure is set up. So to me, it's it's been positive. Yeah. You know, you only hear the bad part of gas and oil and how it affects exactly. wildlife. It's nice to hear mm-hmm. the other side of, of where it's where it's a benefit in cases. Mm-hmm. So that's nice. Dylan, did you I heard you chime in there a minute? Yeah, I was going to ask. So outside of outside of. Man, I'm just gonna pick your brain here because I've again I've never been antelope hunting. Uh, we actually have antelope. You know, if if you go into western Kansas, you can hunt antelope, uh, which I've wanted to do, uh, just not made the the trip yet. Um, so I'm just gonna pick your brain. Outside of water, what are some things that you do to, like you say, make those antelope comfortable uh, to get them to to slow down? You know. Well, as far as like the water holes, we we set the blinds up and mid-July, mid to late July. So they're sitting there for at least a few weeks um, and they're closed up. The antelope, they're coming to those water sources. Um, you know, we, we try and get the blinds as close to the water as we can, knowing that the ponds may recede as the season goes on. You know, we're talking mid to late July. We might still be hunting them in September. So we'll put blinds right up on the edge of the water because we know it's going to recede and to keep those distances. Um, a lot of our reservoirs are, are triangular and they have big, big dikes. Um, the antelope tend to, they don't want to come off of something steep and, and, and then drink with their head down. They like where the, the other parts of the reservoir where it's flat, where it's more like a beach per se. So we, we, place our our blinds where they're we know they're not going to come off those reservoir dikes they're going to come out where it's flat and and then we just coach our our hunters up let them come drink guys get excited buck fever a buck's coming in they get excited they start moving around the blind um you know they give themselves away before the antelope gets to the water and 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 we know it's hard but it's like if they're coming, let them come drink because they're going to drink for a while. They just don't zip in and zip out. And if they're comfortable, they're going to come drink, stick their head down. And then that gives archers a chance to position themselves for the antelope to look away, um, things like that. But it's, it's, it's a tough one for some guys. They get excited and start squirming around in there and the buck sees them. And, and, you know, uh, I don't know how much you guys know about pronghorn antelope, but they can see 270 degrees. Um, if you ever look at an antelope, they're, both their eyes are on the sides of their head. So they, the only place they cannot see is directly behind their head. So they, they have incredible vision, and that's their, that's their go-to trait is, uh, is that vision. So any kind of movement, they got gotcha. you. Yeah. I, so. I can't blame people for getting excited. I get excited. <laughs> yeah. 
our past president, Jim Willems, uh, he told me uh, we were talking about an antelope hunt, and he posted a picture of it, and it was kind of crazy. He was just in a tripod stand in the middle of, I mean, he was just sitting on top of the thing in the wide open, and uh, there was antelope all around him, and he said, dude, antelope never look up. So here I am sitting yeah. right out in the middle of the open. I mean, nothing around him. There's no trees, no no blind, yeah. no structure, no anything. He's just sitting on top of a tripod on a, on a stool, and there's antelope everywhere around him. Yeah, and and I would believe that, you know, as far as where we hunt, you know, the, the highest thing we can get on is, is on top of a big hill. Um, but, yeah, I would believe that. They, they have a tendency, especially if they're comfortable and there's a, something, a source that they're coming to, water or feed, you know. I, yeah, I'd, I'd buy that one. Yeah, he, I, I talked to Jim a little bit about that, and it was very interesting how he came up with that concept. It was, I think he was sitting in a windmill on a water hole, mm-hmm. and he said it was, it, it blew him away that, you know, he was able to move and, and do a lot of things from that elevated platform that he couldn't do sitting in a yep. ground blind. Like you say, yep. they'll, they'll nail that movement, but he said, I was up above their line of sight and they didn't even, they never thought of looking. And then, so he developed yeah. that, I don't know what you call it, tripod. It, it looks yeah. crazy, but when you see it, but when you see what he harvests, boy, it, clearly it yeah. works. Well, I could think of several windmills in our area that would work, you know, cause obviously the windmills there because there's a stock tank below it. I could see that working. Yeah. Now, TJ, here's a question for you. And and we get this. Obviously, we're Pope and Young, so so we do the record books as well. What kind of, of trophy quality does your area have? I know the minimum is is a 67 incher to get into mm-hmm. our book. What what can a guy reasonably expect to see when they're out there? You know, I, I tell people we're hunting 12 to 15 inch antelope in this part of Wyoming. Um, you know, a 15 inch antelope archery or rifle is an exceptional antelope, you know, and I tell guys, you're going to have a chance to get in that mid seventies. Um, okay. Wow. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, even our rifle hunters, we're lucky if we get into the eighties every once in a while we do, but, um, you know, as far as Pope and Young, the record book, I tell guys you're going to have a, a great opportunity to get one if you're patient and and you wait and you're willing to pass on some uh, as far as the, the to meet the the record book for Pope and Young. And, and that's what I tell guys across the board, archery, rifle, mid-70s, upper 70s, you know, maybe get into the 80s if you're lucky. Um you know, okay. South southwestern Wyoming, we have a lot of limited quota areas sought after. Maybe some guys on here listening, you know, have heard of the Red Desert. Those are where the 16, 17 inch antelope in Wyoming live. You know, those wow. are the eighties, eighties creeping up on 90, 90 inch antelope live. Um, gotcha. But okay. you know, we're we're happy to you know, be honest and transparent and say, you know, w- w- we got a good chance to get you in the Pope and Young book. You know, that 67 okay. is a, is a realistic goal. So what are you telling people first time antelope hunter shows up or even a, even a guy who just hasn't done it a bunch, he shows up and are, are how, what is your, here's how you tell the one you want. 
Do you give that speech? Do you have a speech yep. for? <laughs> yeah. Here's what yep, you look we for. Do. You know, and we try and get them out maybe the day before. We we ask our clients to come in the day before. We have a neat little archery club next to our lodge with 3D targets and all that. Um, but we try and show them there's antelope. I mean, I'm looking across the highway from where our lodge is right now. There's antelope there. And we'll we'll try and show them. Um, one thing we use, the guides and myself, is, you know, an antelope's ear is six to seven inches long. Um, you know, if you, if, if you think their horns are twice as long as the ears, let, we ought to be considering him. Um, you know, the prongs, you know, we're looking an exceptional antelope around this area would have three to four inch prongs. Um, uh, you know, obviously we're looking for the curl. Uh, a lot of guys will want to be like, oh, that one's wide. You know, scoring for Pope and Young has nothing to do with the width, how far apart the two horns are. It's horn length and and width and girth, you know, that we're looking for. But people like that look, you know. So th that's a few of the things, you know. Uh, guys will talk about, I want one with ivory tips. Obviously, that doesn't help your score. But, um, you know, prongs and, and length of horn and just try and, let them know that those ears are six to seven inches long and to use gotcha. that ear as a comparison. Okay, good. You know. That's, I was pretty fortunate because I had a, an opportunity that just kind of, I don't know if it fell in my lap, but being at the right place at the right time sure didn't hurt. And I was able to go to Idaho this year on a hunt. And part of the deal was I I invited a good buddy of mine from college, came along with me, who's been on a ton of antelope hunts. I mean, well, a ton for our world, not not probably very many for yours. But And he came along, and he, he did the field judging for me. And so he did the what he called mittens. He says, okay, for the first day, you, you've got mittens on. You can't shoot anything anyway. We're just going to go look. And <laughs> yeah. he says, obviously, if we see the, you know, the one that is in, you know, oh, my gosh, he says, and the mittens come off but he says first we're just going to go look at some some antelope and as we're looking you know we're glassing these things and and he's like okay see this one because because i was like oh yeah i want that one and he's like oh here's why you might not want that one see this you know the hooks aren't really well de defined mm -hmm. and you know the the cutters are are a little bit short and i'm like okay and then i see the next one i was like oh that's a good one he's like you know that's a good one but here's what you want to look at that's kind of the next level up. And so it was, for me, it was very valuable to do exactly what you said is to see a few and, and get to get to, you know, have somebody with more experience than you have say, okay, here's, here's what that one has. Here's what he doesn't have, you know, because yeah. as hunters, I think we're always optimists. We're like, Oh man, that one looks good. He lo he looks like he's got real big thick bases. Well, yeah. he might, but he's, he's got weak tops or something. So. Yeah. And you know, if, if we get an opportunity to see an antelope from different sides from behind, that's always the best too. the, the first look you get an antelope, it's like, okay, turn his head you know, walk over here. So you see both sides. Um, the antelope is compared to our other big ticket item, mule deer, antelope are much harder to judge than a mule deer. You, you see a big mule deer, you're like, oh, he's got four points, brow times. He's, you know, 25 inches wide. That's pretty easy to tell pretty quickly. An antelope takes some time. We always want to look at them 
look at them from the side so we can see their prongs, see their hooks. And there's so many varieties of antelope, you know, their hooks go straight back, their hooks turn in, you know, we have hooks that almost touch, you know, at times, huh. uh, cause they're turned in, you know, and prongs, some prongs are straight out, some are flared out, some are curled in and being, having the opportunity to see them from different sides and front, back, behind is, is always better, you know, rifle hunting, um, We'll look at them through a spotting scope. We may leave them and say, you know what? Let's go look around. Let's shop. And and that's what we try and tell our archers. You know, unless it's a no-brainer that comes in in the morning, first thing, take a look at them. Let them walk. Uh, a lot of our antelope will come back. You know, we, we'll see huh. the same buck a couple times during the day. Like I said previously, if it's hot, and they're moving around, they're going to come drink, you know, sometimes as many as three to four times a day. Yeah. You know, we did, yeah, we did some of that where it's, you know, we, we'd be, and we covered a lot of miles. And so we, we did a ton of glassing and, and put some time on our optics. And, and we did that a couple of times where we're like, well, we're going to remember this guy. Um, yep. It's not exactly what we're looking for, but you know, a little bit later in the hunt, that would that would be a nice mm -hmm. one to take, but it's not the one that you're really looking for on this particular yeah. hunt. And and a lot of our places that we archery antelope hunt, we have three or four setups as far as the water holes, and yeah. and if if we don't bother them, you know, and and that that takes some strategy. You know, when we go pick the guys up, we don't want to run them out of there. Um, we're real strategic about that but those those bucks and his group of does that they're probably using that water hole that's their water hole until somebody bumps them and to have the option um you know for example for an archer to sit in one water hole the next day we're going to put him in a different one give him some different scenery see if there's some different antelope by the third day he may say remember that one we saw the first day Let's go back. You know, I want to go back to that pond. And, and, and you know what? And we have good luck with that. You know, we, by the end of September, uh, myself and my guides, we've, we've seen a lot of the bucks, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and we know where they are come rifle season. So it's quite an advantage for us, but archery, we, we got them pretty much pinned where they're hanging out, what ponds they're using as far as the water holes. Uh, you know, when the rut gets on, it can change a little bit. They start pushing around and trading does and, and fighting. Um, they'll move around, but they're still on our properties. You know, they might change water holes throughout the day because they're running all over chasing does. Yeah, that makes sense. We we were on a third season hunt. And by that time, it, I, I think the what we saw is there wasn't a consistent pattern for the water holes. So we just didn't have mm -hmm. the confidence in, in sitting on one. It was all public ground that had, you know, been hit for, you know, yeah. gosh, probably a month and a half or, or two months by the time we got there and there just wasn't that patterning. So yeah. we tried the, the decoy route and, and it was just after the rut and just didn't have any takers there. So yeah. the, the spot and stock was a little bit tricky and, and uh, it was great. I, I was a phenomenal hunt. I learned a ton and had a, had an amazing time and they're just such a unique animal. 
yeah. they're just beautiful. I mean, you you get them on the ground and you look at them. They're just a beautiful animal. They make a wonderful mount, and uh, it, was, it was a ten for sure. Yeah, I mean, they're a they're a challenging hunt, and I, I think that's what uh, draws a lot of interest is you know uh, obviously people know their speed and and they're elusive and stuff and to get in close with them is is pretty neat you know i we have some great videos that guys have taken right from the blinds you know and it, it's it's neat to see an animal that you know is the the fastest land animal in north america walking by your blind you know within yeah. feet you know, some of them come in and just they're they're so used to the blinds. You know, we we tell guys you got to be looking out the back, um, be peeking. You know, we we try and leave a, a partial door open, a window to their back so they can peek, so they don't get surprised by one walking right by them. You know. Yeah. And and it's it's neat to see an animal in in its natural state, not spooked by us, just coming in to get a drink. And and it always surprises me how long sometimes they will drink. <laughs> they're huh. they're thirsty That's neat. at times. Yeah, yeah. You bet. Well, especially you know early season, you guys are are hitting some pretty hot temperatures there in Wyoming. Yeah, this past summer was extremely hot. Um, the water holes were really successful this year. Um, and that's why okay. we like having the option to spot and stock. You know, my guides like to get out. They, they're hunters themselves. They, they like, you know, when they're in, when we have hunters in the water holes, the guides are kind of cruising around the ranches, staying a distance away from the ponds and just keeping an eye on the, the blinds in, in case they, um, they get something, but they're also looking around, doing some scouting. But what they really like is is going out and and spotting stock and and decoying them. You know that's exciting. Everybody's involved. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about how that works. You know, we like to uh, we want to give the hunters the best opportunity at at like a broadside shot. So we tend to try and get a setup. Um, you know, you may have seen where people are standing behind the decoy with the guide. Um, that works, but at some point the guide's got to move the decoy <laughs> so you can shoot. We, we tend to try and set the hunter off to our left or right, depending on the setup so that the, when, if the buck does come in, the hunter has a better opportunity at a broadside shot instead of looking right at us. Um, Oh, gotcha. A lot, because a lot of times they're gonna face the decoy. They're coming in. They're you know they're snorting and they're you know you you see them and their chest their chest is facing the decoy. Well, that's not a, always a great shot. Um, and then the hunter's yeah. got to figure out how do I step out from behind this decoy? Where if we have the the hunter you know um, you know off to our left or right there's a better, there's a better shot most times that way. Oh, that so, makes sense. You know, and, 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 you know, do it yourself guys that spot and stock. There's a lot of products out there that the decoy goes on your bow, but you can shoot through it. And, and obviously we don't use those cause our guides are involved and, um, and you know, it, it, it seems to work well that way. Uh, bucks will come in 
and then they'll they'll try and circle around you to catch the wind. They know something's not right, but they think it's an antelope buck, and they'll start to circle around, and then that also gives our hunter an opportunity when they're circling around their broadside. You know, they're trying to get some wind to help them figure out what this thing is. You bet. Um, oh, that sounds pretty exciting. I wanted to ask you about the accessibility of of hunting Wyoming. Um, is it a draw state or over the counter? Uh, it's a draw. Um, and like I spoke on earlier, you know, the southern part of Wyoming, uh, very sought after units. You know, guys are needing 12 or 13 preference points down there. Um, our part of Wyoming, we're in, we call it north central northeastern wyoming um our units if you have one preference point it's it's almost a home run for our units you know we we have guys that archery antelope hunt with us uh every year or every other year um the the draw odds are that good and what's the uh what's what's the price for out-of-state uh license and tag so there, there's two tiers in Wyoming. There's a what's called the regular tag, and for antelope, it's 341. And then there's the the uh, special tag. And how the special works is it's 40 percent of the non-resident quota. So it gives you a little better odds. Um, we typically don't utilize that unless somebody for sure wants to hunt. Hey, you know, I can insure your hunt without a preference point, but I have to put in for the more expensive tag. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. We, we typically just use the regular price. Uh, we have guys book far enough in advance with us. We can get them that preference point the year prior, and then it, it insures it. And, and just to sum it up, uh, our antelope licenses are, are, if guys are planning out ahead, they're pretty easy to get. And Very what good. time of year do, do people have to put in for that one? When do they uh, need to know, hey, I, I want to go hunt with TJ? Our application deadline is May 31st. So Okay. Yeah, so we have up to the 31st of May. Um, once clients book with us, we take care of the entire process. We will get them a preference point. If, if they book soon enough, we'll get them a preference point the year prior. And then we'll take care. We'll ask for their information. Um, that's all part of booking with us. And then we take care of the license application. We okay. Do now I know yep. you guys. You guys do some other species as well. So talk a little bit about those. Is it okay? Uh, similar draw program or yeah for the mule deer, the, for example. Yeah, mule deer. Um, we definitely want to get a preference point for mule deer. So our archery deer, uh, it books a year or two in advance. Um, we just take a handful of those. Those are, you know, five day hunts, pretty, uh, those are one-on-one and those are strictly spot and stock. Um, you know, we, we got some good country with lots of cover. We try and put deer in their beds and get the wind right and sneak up on them. And we'll, you know, we, we leave it up to the hunter if, if he wants us to really push the envelope you know we'll we'll try and get the deer's attention if guys are patient and just want to sit on them um we'll, we'll do that you know we've sat as long as three or four hours on a big buck waiting for him to stand up out of the brush where you can only see his head you and bet. his horns you know and, and that's oh, a, yeah. 
that's another one of our big draws, you know, for two reasons. We, we only do a limited number of those and, and we have some, we have some quality mule deer in this area of Wyoming and, and there's a chance to, to get a, a nice deer. Um, if you're patient and you, again, we're not going to ask you to shoot over 50 yards. We, we really like 35 that's, we can get to 35 and that's close enough. Uh, you know, we're, we're not going to bust them out. Um, and, and most guys, true archers, they're, they're pretty solid at 35. So, yeah, um, that's kind of what our deer hunts look like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, you know, technology and the way bows are advancing and, and speed, we very rarely have a, a mule deer jump a string. Um, if you let a deer get up on his own, you know, typically they're not even looking at us. They're, they're looking to get a bite to eat, move out of the sun again. Um, we're typically above them, you know, sitting in the brush, uh, we just, you know, we ask the hunters to be ready. Uh, they, they need to have an arrow knocked. When we're sitting on a deer, they need to have an arrow knocked. So the only movement is them drawing. Um, you know, we, we're, we don't have the luxury to stand up or move once a deer gets up. We, the hunter needs to be ready. And most of our guys are pretty patient about, let's just sit here. Um mule deer they'll give you a pretty good indication that they're going to get up they start shaking their head flipping their ears um, start looking around that's a pretty good indication he might be getting up you know to move um, and we have a pretty high density of mule deer so if we if we blow something up and he blows out of there we're gonna go find you another one you know we we've had four or five stocks a day so you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that that head shake because we had had the privilege of having Justin Gordon on, oh, not long ago, and he's the guy that took that that brand new velvet non typical mule deer world record, mm-hmm. and it was interesting because it was what you're describing is it was very similar as they watched this deer and were looking for this deer for days, and then you know, he had one opportunity where, Hey, I can get in on this thing. And it's exactly what you're talking about. Got in, you know, kind of behind and above it and then waited for it. And then he says, before you knew it, here's this, this head shake that you just kind of mentioned. And he's like, all of a sudden I knew he was, he was coming up and bam, just like that, it happened. And obviously he he put it all together, but that's, yeah, that's great. And that's where that experience is critical. Yeah. And you know, if the wind's right, you know, we've, we've, we've sat on them for several hours, you know, and, uh, they're, they're, they're taking a nap during the day. They're getting out of the heat. They're shaded up. Um, but as the sun moves across the sky, you know, the sun will start to get them and and they'll get up and move. Um, they're not going to move far, but they're going to move a little bit. And that, that's when we want to be there. You know, we've talked about antelope. We've talked about mule deer. What other opportunities do you guys have out there in Wyoming? We do offer some archery elk hunts, uh, but private land again uh, in the Bighorn Mountains. We're right at the foot of the Bighorn Mountains here in Buffalo, um, and those are five, five or six day hunts. Um, again, private land. It does take uh, 
eight or nine preference points. So it's kind of one of those, it's a limited quota area. Um, but the, the nice thing is we do offer archers. If they're not successful, they can come back during rifle season. So it's, it's not just an archery only tag. So that is an option. Um, and that's, that's probably our best elk hunting up there. You know, there's opportunities for, I tell guys there, there is an opportunity for a 350 class bull. We do have okay. those. Um, we have a, a pretty large, um, you know, elk herd that comes through our places. We have about, about 10,000 acres, um, property, uh, that's all tied together. Um, and those are pretty much spot and stock. Um, we do have some water holes, wallow setups there too. So, um, and that's a one-on-one -on -one hunt. Uh, you know, we, we stay up on the property, uh, as long as the weather cooperates with us, but in September it, it typically does. Um, and just one-on-one -on -one hunt. And like I said, it's a little mixture of spot and stock and water hole hunting. Wow. Excellent. Okay. And then, uh, rumor has it, you guys also do some prairie dog shoots out there. We do. We do. We offer that in the summer. Um, you know, obviously that's rifle. Uh, we have several thousand acres of, of prairie dog property. A lot of them are on our, our hunting property, you know, um, we're trying to help some landowners out. Um, you know, those are, those are, we let guys customize those. Most guys come for two or three days, some as many as four. And we have enough properties that, uh, if you, if you were to do the four days, you could, you could shoot a different town every day. So, wow. um, and I know they do a lot of damage for the ranchers. Yeah. They're one of those <laughs> critters that, uh, you know, we want to keep control of them, you know, ranchers, you know, you can't really decimate them, shooting them, but a combination of poisoning and shooting, you know, but they, they are a fun uh, activity, mostly summertime, you know, late spring, early summer is the best time to come out here. Um, we do offer that, you know, some of our archery hunters, they'll finish up archery hunting, they'll bring a rifle and we'll take them out for a day or two of shooting pea dogs. Oh, wow. That sounds like a good time. So yeah. you have any, you have anybody try it with a bow? Oh yeah. We, yeah, okay. we do let a few guys, um, <laughs> when they're archery hunting, um, they tried shoot a few. It, it's pretty difficult to get that close, but we do have some towns that they'll let you shoot them archery okay. <laughs> for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard on arrows. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. All right. Well, tell us, you know, TJ, one thing is tell us if you, if you had 60 seconds to to elevator spiel somebody and tell us all about your outfit, what would what would you tell them? So, Bear Track Outfitters, um, you know, we're going to we're going to provide you opportunities. Um, we have plentiful game. Uh, our hunts are all inclusive. Um, we, we let you customize, you know, some dates, especially archery. Um, you know, we're a can do outfit that, uh, uh, you know, our goal is to just provide the best opportunity. Um, you know, we, we we work hard throughout the year to attain other properties. We work with our landowners. Um, 
our landowners, they're more than, it's just more than a business transaction. They're actually our partners in this, um, you know, as, as far as providing a food source and water opportunities for wildlife. Um, you know, we, we can't ask for better landowners than we have right now there. The, the hunting is beneficial to them. Um, and they like to work with us and provide the best opportunities. Um, you know, I, I think our, our reputation, you know, will speak for itself. We've been in business 36 years. Um, and, you know, we've had a relationship with Pope and Young and Boone and Crockett and, you know, a few, uh, firearms companies, you know, that, do some sponsorship with us and TV shows. And, and if people are looking for an honest hunt, um, this is, this is a place that they should definitely check out. And we have references that, you know, will will back up what I'm saying. I like that. And, you know, speaking with, uh, jumping in and, and putting your money and your support behind your, your mission, you know, you're also one of, one of our supporting outfitters, and your donations help us, you know, protect and promote bow hunting. So if you're a bow hunter yeah. and you appreciate people that are looking out on your behalf, you know, obviously Pope and Young and, and our partners, which include Bear Track, yeah. need to be on your radar. So, yeah. Excellent. Now, one question that we ask every guest, TJ, is when you're out in the field, be it up on the Elk Mountain or, or down in the Antelope Plains, what is one thing that you keep in your pack that's that's maybe a non-traditional item that that uh, that you don't leave without? Oh, I'd probably say chapstick. Okay, all right. Bingo, bingo. That's, that's a good yeah. one. Yeah. Okay. You know, well, it's we're out in the wind, and uh, yeah, I I'm just trying to think. Like, oh, I always have chapstick, so we're. <laughs> I like it. Okay, that's a good one. These are these are the things that uh um you know, people want to know because you don't always think of it, it's some of the little ones like that that you just don't necessarily always think of. So Chap, we chapstick like that. is not chapstick is not a little one for me, dude. I, I don't leave my house period without chapstick, much less into the woods. I'm not sure if I've got that in mind, but I'm going to I'm going to add it before before the day's out. You know, yeah. what's a, uh, what's a story? Give us a story from last season or two that was kind of something unique or a highlight or, or what would be something that, that was different for you or unique? You know, uh, I'm glad you asked this question. We had one, of uh, this is a couple seasons ago. Uh, it was actually an archery elk hunt. Um, we had a three-star general um, from the Marines. He came on a on a he calls it a bucket list hunt for his friend that was uh, dying of ALS, and that was a pretty meaningful hunt for us. Um, you know, we were all there for the the man's name was Carl that was uh, with the ALS, and his buddy was General Dave and. Um, he just a neat, humble man, you know, and didn't treat us like we were Marines. Um, and we ended up on the, on his, uh, third day killing a bull that we had saw the first day. Um, and Dave really won him. And it was just a, it ended up being a real meaningful hunt because 
we never spoke about Carl, but it was all on the back of our minds. Um, and to, to harvest a beautiful bull, and and that was in September, and by November, Carl had passed because of ALS. So he was able to somewhat experience that through photographs and following our Facebook page and things like that. Um, and, and that's probably the one that when you asked that, that came right to mind. Wow. That's, that's a great that's story. Awesome, man. And you know, it's when you're going through something like that, there's something special and, and folks that have been through some, some major stuff, they'll understand, but there is something special about being transported out of the current situation, you know, especially if it's dire mm-hmm. like that, you know, so for, for a week, he just got to go be an elk hunter. He did, he wasn't, you know, yeah. somebody suffering from a, a disease and it, it was, so yeah. that, that's a great story. I love that one. Yeah. It, and it ended up, I mean, it, it Carl, actually came to us hunting the year prior it was going to be his last antelope hunt in wyoming and uh and and when general dave went to visit him that winter uh he said to him hey you know what's your bucket list of hunts and carl because we had allowed him to hunt um we let him come on some property with permission of the landowner him and his buddies it wasn't a guided hunt or anything he he told general dave hey you need to go elk hunting with bear track outfitters. They treated me well, and I want you to go do this. And, and general Dave happened to have nine preference points. So that was helpful too. Nice. <laughs> to draw an yeah. elk tag. So it that, was meant to be. That's great. Nice. It all worked. It's great when it all works, works out that way. It doesn't always, but it's great when it does. Yeah. So, well, TJ, I, I just want to, I want to thank you again for coming on today. I want to thank you for being a supporting outfitter for the Pope and Young Amen. Club. Once again, we're out there working on behalf of bow hunters all across the country, all across the world, and we can't do it without our members and without our supporters. Yeah. And we're happy to have you on board as one of our supporters. Every every time we come to you, you're you're more than willing to work with us and and we appreciate yeah. that. Well, it's so, been it's been a good relationship for us too. You know, we've we have our name out there and, and, uh, you know, we know a few people in Pope and young and senior members and stuff that continue to come. So we'll, we'll continue and uh, let's hope we can all get to Reno this spring. You know, as of right now, it's all systems go. We're looking full speed ahead. I hope so. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. We enjoyed Omaha. So we, we'd like to be in attendance in Reno. You know, Omaha was great, and I have a huge chip on my shoulder for Virginia being canceled. That we put so much, my my whole team, Heather and and the whole team, put so much work into making Virginia kind of that one special event that it was going to be with the trophy tower. And you know, Lisa in the office had when when we started mm-hmm. that, they said, "Oh, you'd never get twenty. We said, "You know, it's better than seeing a hundred of the best animals from the last two years." a hundred of the best animals ever. And yeah, I, I, I challenged the staff and Lisa there in the office. We, we told, we had people tell us we couldn't get 20 animals for the trophy tower. And we had 67 of the top 100 
and over wow. 20 world records. And they were in Virginia waiting to go on display when COVID shut everything down. So I, yeah. I'll have a chip on my shoulder in, until probably Reno and beyond. But uh, we're going to make Reno yeah. as good as we can. I know people are excited to get out and, and see it and, and look forward to seeing you there. Well, we're planning on it. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much. Um, have a great day and uh, we'll talk soon. Hey, thanks for having us on.